Welcome everyone for another episode of the Good Morning News Podcast. I'm Galfi here with me, Bear Hunter, Hero, and Diego. And we're here to bring you the best of the best that's happened last week, what's going on next week, and everything else between. How you doing, Hero? Bear Hunter and Diego. Hey guys. I'll tell you what, Galfi, you can make a transition like nobody else. That was epic. Um, happy to be here this morning. Cheers. Have you guys had your coffee yet? Yeah, I'm, uh, it's afternoon for me, actually. I just had lunch. <laughs> so let's let's talk. This is really important stuff, guys. So let's talk about coffee for a minute. So um, a publisher I know drinks two pots of coffee a day. Correct, sir? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's about right. That I have awesome. about four double espressos a day, sometimes on lattes, sometimes in Americanos, sometimes straight down the chute. I stopped drinking coffee sometime around 4 p.m. and thinking about changing that. What you about Gelfi and Diego? You drink that fancy stuff. I drink newsroom coffee. Yeah, yeah me fancy. too. Black is nice. <laughs> Just plain and black coffee in the morning, sometimes during the afternoon. Just okay. just a small cup. Yeah, it's all I have. You're yeah, super- I, oh, I, I take 10 ounces in the morning and about 10 to 20 ounces in the afternoon. I love how you do it by ounces. That's awesome. What Diego left out is that his little shot in the morning has about an ounce of cocaine in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that package that you packed, that you, uh, packed up the public zone going, yeah, Did you see that? Of the border. <laughs> it was not intentional, you know. I just had that oh kind of God. brown tape at me? home. And I said, okay, let me let me send a picture to Pub. I'm gonna send him the coffee. <laughs> He's never gonna get it. It looks like a pack of drugs. No? It looks just like every pack of drugs in every movie I've seen with exactly. packs of drugs. Exactly. It was so funny. I'm going with coffee. I'm like, he, he publisher is like, let me ask you um a, a question, you know, a legal question. I'm like, huh? He goes, you know, what about what about commodities? I go, what? He goes, he goes, coffee. I go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what's in the coffee? You know, um, it was amazing. Like the picture, it literally made my afternoon yesterday. I cracked up for, <laughs> like, I'm still laughing about it. Like it's hey, too and, and I'm going to get him a hard time because when I, I the, the coffee that I bought to send him is the original coffee. So it's in grains, you know, you have to, I don't know how to say it in English, the process. Right. Okay. Yeah. You have to do that. And, and the guy at the coffee shop offered me to do it. Uh, oh no, I'm already sending him some, some suspicious package. If, if it's open, he never going to get it. No, <laughs> keep it, keep it closed. You know, like the original closing. No, he can handle it later. Don't worry. Are so you going to put in the mail and send it to him? Or are you going to bring it over? Can him? you believe that I'm putting in the mail and I'm afraid of doing that? Good. The DEA yeah. is going to hand deliver it to my house. It's going to be amazing. Or they're going to hand deliver you to federal prison, you know? Hey, lady, this is the coffee lady. So get, where is your husband? He's, go, he's coming with us. Exactly. You know, he has some explanations sure. to give us. Sure, it's coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Miss <laughs> Katrina, our um, lovely editor, is sending me some children's toys from a native cartoon in her country called Bluey, which my kids have found and love. Um, so she is shipping next week some things across the ocean, which I'm excited about. So she also is dealing with customs issues, although I got a feeling hers is going to get through. I don't know about you, man. 
What an amazing community we are building over here. We're now sending people mails and, and stuff through mails. Like we just met over the internet and now we're kind of friends. Or I think we're, yeah, totally. Exactly. It's still a level of trust within the community, community right? Yeah. No, it is. I still feel bad for Nitra. You know, she wanted my address to send me what I realized later on was something else. And sometimes she's like, um, she jokes around. So like, I didn't know if she was really serious or not, but it turns out she was because she, I saw that she sent something to genetics. <laughs> so I've been meaning to, to contact Nitra and say, all right, man. So you weren't, you weren't effing around. Let's um, here, I'll dox myself for you. Uh, my monster friend, you know? Yeah. She sent me, it's a, I didn't get it yet, but it's a postcard. Right. And she, she told us about it on the interview Gelfi and I did for the Bank of Brazil podcast. And it's a kind of pass to go to a kind of vacation house that she's buying. It's a really nice. I know. I hear her talk about her, uh, yeah. her monster friend, like home theory, right? Yeah. Something like that. And I'm excited because I, I'm afraid the post office lost my, my pass, you know, I didn't get it yet. Well, I asked her, she was like, oh, it's too late now, got a friend. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, happy. I, I, I'm happy I know some good lawyer, you know, they, they can, uh, <laughs> I, they can handle that for me with the post office, you know, I, I, just lo- <laughs> I just lost a chance. This is the beauty of having a community. If you need coffee <laughs> from Brazil, you find it. If you need a dev, if you need a developer, you find it. If you need a lawyer, you'll find it as well. That's the beauty of the community, yeah. <laughs> The podcast hoster, uh, cheerleader or promoter or whatever you guys call me. All of the above. I mean, you are like, um, you know, ETH maxi extraordinaire validator, right? You're also, I mean, we can call you Vlad the validator. It doesn't, it doesn't fit very well. <laughs> it so, is, no, it was, but it was funny. I was talking to a lot of people on Ethereum Rio, you know, and doing the thing that I do, talking good things about Ethereum, talking bad shit about, about Cardano and this kind of bullshit we have around. And they were saying, no, I don't believe that. And I just showing, hey, so this is this is me in a picture. And it was a picture of a kind of a graphic of my portfolio. It's pretty much 80% eat. 20% Bitcoin, something like that. Hey, yeah, I put my money where my mouth is. So I'm this guy. What do you guys really deny. think? It, what do you guys really think it's going it's gonna happen? Like, like there's so much projects, so much blockchains out there. What do you guys really think is going to happen? To be honest, the flip, the flipping. We're gonna see the flipping sooner than later, and probably some other blockchains. Um, the new Ethereum killers that we. See see every couple of months a new one they're gonna get some steam because they're gonna be cheaper and they're gonna be faster but suddenly people realize they're not gonna be secure so yeah again every time they're gonna be the second the third the fourth ethereum killers around there so today's avalanche or cardano or solana and next year probably gonna be you're gonna hear some new names but the history pretty much gonna keep the same, in my opinion. But do you think they're going to die, or they're you know, all these blockchains and cryptos are there are going to exist? I they mean, never die. They never die. You know, just like Ethereum Classic, um, Nano, uh, which one? Ripple. People just forget it. People just don't care anymore. No, 
I mean, just think, the bots that we see I on Twitter. You're, you're, I think you're kind of right. You know, yeah. Like, um, I mean, you're gonna like. So an analogy for me would be to think about like, you know, cars, right? And you have like luxury cars, and then you have sort of nice cars, mid-range cars, and you know, blah blah blah, right? And so I think you're gonna see the same thing with blockchain, sort of in the end, in some ways, in terms of um, how we perceive them, in terms of like value, right? And so, you know, Bitcoin is kind of its own class of product, still in my mind. Ethereum would sort of be, you know, your fancy Cadillacs and stuff. Um, you're going to have a lot of mid-range cars that do the job pretty good and they're a little cheaper um, and they're going to probably be a little faster, right? But a little less secure maybe. Um, and then you're going to have a bunch of shitty chains at the bottom that don't work so well, uh, but they're Nietzsche, right? Like you're going to have a um, Nietzsche, 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 um, <laughs> uh, that are like, they're, like, they're, like they're used for gaming, right? Or something, or... Uh, you know, home security or logistics or like whatever people end up doing, right? Um, you're going to have a ton of private blockchains too. I mean, endless amounts of private blockchains that you'll ever see. Uh, and then there's going to be like, well, what happens? So this is a, a thing I think about sometimes, right? Is like, what happens um, to public-private keys uh, or, or quite frankly, like passphrases, you know, once you have quantum computing, right? And then what is a quantum computed computing secured blockchain look like, you know, and, and is that a thing that's possible? And I, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't thought of, I mean, I'm, I'm not smart enough on um, that stuff to have a real answer, right? Other than I think it is, but I couldn't tell you how or why. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I mean, Ethereum is like what you're always going to use, right? I mean, it might, but I, I don't know, I think, um, but I don't know, like personally, I might own a bunch of other L1s, but I don't use them. Right. I mean, I use Ethereum and I use Poly and that's essentially it, unless it's super rando. Like I want to get on the Palm Network to mint some matrix NFTs, which I never did, but I connect to the network. Right. Um, or layer two, I, you know, I have, a, I have a point on this and I try not to be judgmental because, you know, I, I hope 1% of my portfolio in flow that it's, it's just marketing. No, I mean, well, it's like an investment, yeah, right? Yeah, and everything that I'm talking about, uh, okay, Gelfi, I'm already going to say that. It's not, not financial advice. I'm not an advisor. I pretty much don't understand what I'm talking about, you know, just playing around with my money. But I bought Flow. It was a great investment, but it's a best, it's, it's a bad technology, you know? I wouldn't say to anybody, buy that, but I'm buying so I, I always remember that guy, I, I can't remember his name, but he said something like, hey, you can make money even with shit coins, you know, like Shiba, <laughs> Ada. And yeah, if, if it's in the space to make money, go ahead. I don't judge you. But when For we talk mercenary, about- Mercenary, yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I can I can say mercenary because, you know, I jumped in lots of ICOs, I made some money. And I, I, all the chance that I got to make money with that, I put my money back in Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. And I did that. I cannot judge. You know, I don't want to be, I put, I put, I put, how is that the word? Hypocrite. Yeah, that's going to happen yeah. for a while, but it's, it's in the long term, it's not really sustainable. There's going to be a point, a time where there, there, there are no ICOs anymore. Like, you know, there's going to be one ICO, but it's, they're not going to raise that much of money. It's not, you know, you're not going to be rich with one token, but there's, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I so, cannot agree. I can agree with that because there's a, there's a guy, you know, Anthony Cesano, he always says that the new people that are arriving in this space, you know, uh, the people that are building the new technology here, 
they see the guys that who were in 2012, 2014, they were boomers, you know, they already make lots of money with Bitcoin, Ethereum, this kind of coins. And now they are creating new technologies. So now we have options, now we have index, now we have DeFi 2.0. Nobody was talking about that six months ago. Nobody was talking about, I mean, pretty much nobody was talking about NFTs one year or two, a couple of years ago. So these people that arrive and pretty young people, bright minds that get into the space now, they see the people that have been here for 10 years like boomers and they already made a lot of money. They, they, they don't need to, to improve anything anymore. So the new minds are, are creating new stuff every time. So new opportunities are going to be happening every time in this space. I totally, I totally, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Publisher, you're mighty quiet. Yeah, he's probably having some coffee. <laughs> no, I was sitting here taking it all in, guys. Just taking it all in, listening to, listening to everyone's thoughts. Obviously, I'm going to be a little biased on on what I think our future is here. Um, I would say the uh, the future has been prophesized, right? The roadmap has been has been laid out, and we have a modular a modular future ahead of us, um, and that's going to be scaling out Ethereum with layer two solutions. And we're getting there, right? We're slowly but surely we're getting there. I mean, we're getting there, but is it? I mean, it doesn't work great yet, right? I mean, kind of. I mean, we all use it. We all use it. I mean, I you know, I think I use four fairly actively, right? Uh, when you say it doesn't work right, I I would say it works. You know, it, we're working exactly as intended at this moment, right? Sure. Um, we sure. haven't quite. We're not quite there yet on scaling out the ecosystem, and I think that's really the point you're getting at is that you know we don't have all the the usual suspects quite yet on, on these platforms. The biggest one being OpenSea for, for our purposes here at Good Morning News. I've always had I've always thought in my mind that the second we get OpenSea support on these layer twos is, is when Good Morning News moves to these layer twos, right? That's moving day for us. Um, and I think we're getting there. It has been, I'll say it's been a much slower process than, than I would have thought, right? These things came online so quickly that it felt like uh, the ecosystem growth was just right around the corner. Maybe that coincides with the little bear market that we found ourselves in over the past few months. But here's an interesting question for you: Do you not consider Polygon to be a layer two? Then not at all. Not at all. Polygon's a side chain. So, so, so and, and kind of a bad one. Yeah, that. yeah. Layer two this, then? this, this, yeah. It's a famous misunderstanding that people I make. Yeah, Polygon is going to be a layer two eventually. I mean, that's well, the, that's, so that's what Polygon, they say. So Polygon's an umbrella, right? Polygon is a team of developers that has a whole suite of blockchain solutions that they that they put out, right? They do have a roll up solution out there. What is it? What is that? Hermes or whatever they call it? Yeah, they I mean, bought that last. That was the first token swap last summer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have these solutions. What we're really talking about here is the Matic network, right? The old proof of stake Matic network that they've rebranded to the Polygon chain. That's that's what we're on. And that's what we're talking about. And the Matic network is a side chain. You know, it has a very centralized, very hard to, to run a set of validators, right? You got to have pretty high, pretty fancy computers to run a validator for that network. So it's, it's very much, you know, you could put it in the same category as Binance Smart Chain, but a little better because they're built, you know, their, their proof of stake is directly on top of Ethereum, right? You their their entire consensus network is built on top of the Ethereum chain. So in that aspect, it's it's more decentralized and at least better than what the, what Binance has to offer. Well, hold but on. The, yeah. oh, I thought you were gonna gonna. I thought you were just educating me about 
BSC being a sidechain of Ethereum, but that's not what you're saying. I mean, I don't, that, that's not true. I don't. Well, I mean, technically, technically, BSC really? is a sidechain to Ethereum. It's an EVM. Yeah, it's a clone. They clone mm-hmm. Ethereum, and and you know everything that you see it on Ethereum, you. I never put knew it out that. There. That's so interesting. So, but they don't. I mean, validate. You know, on... all of these. At the end of the day, all of these are ethereum forks dude everyone yeah, is also a clone of ethereum yeah the gas, yeah yeah, yeah. The gas i thought network. you were telling me though that bsc was actually like um you know validating on the ethereum mainnet which seemed not, no see that seemed that's like, that seems very confusing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But that, that's, that's your biggest difference their consensus right. mechanism is on their own chain that the binance chain right? right so you know it's very very but what you're saying though the binance chain you know avalanche etc are um, I mean, what would you call, would you just call it a fork? You, you yeah. called it a clone, but is no, there they're a forks. Yeah, yeah, they're forks, forks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they forks, they're, they're forks that have swapped out for their own consensus mechanisms, right? Avalanche went with this weird sharding proof of stake type right. of um, consensus mechanism, and Binance, of course, just went with their their version of proof of stake, which is not the same proof of stake that we're that we'll be getting with uh, with Ethereum. They're on that that whole delegated proof of stake model. You know, it's interesting. I, believe. I could be wrong about like what, that. Actually. Which is kind of like what Cardano does, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I mean, there's really I've never come across like a piece of really good literature that um, differentiates all these different uh, different things, right? Very well. I think someone needs to write that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, your ETH maximalists are always out there pounding the table saying that these are all just forks of Ethereum and what the hell is everyone doing wasting their time? And I couldn't agree with that more. But that said, though, there are there are some innovations happening right there. And I hate to give Solana any any credit at all. But, look, you know, if we're being honest, there is an innovation there. It's just unfortunate that, you know, their their validating system is even more um, hard, hard to uh, hard to do than than even the Polygon network. Right. The, the, the supercomputer you need to run a validator for Solana is obscene. Um, but there is innovation there, right? And, you know, whether it works or not, it's debatable. <laughs> We've seen it fail a number of times now. But I don't know. I, I think it's good to have these, these other chains out there that are doing the experimentation that maybe Ethereum can learn from. But at the end of the day, your innovation is really always going to happen on Ethereum, I think, that because that's where the developers are. And I think that's the most important part of this conversation when we're talking about which of these chains are going to be successful into the future. And to me, there's really only one ecosystem that's completely open source that you have a group of dedicated, passionate developers that are always going to be working on it, no matter what. Right? These people aren't going anywhere. This is their livelihood. They eat, breathe, and sleep Ethereum. And you don't have that with any other chain, at least not that I can see, right? With every other chain, what you have are paid employees working to build a network that's bought and paid for by X company, right? FTX or whatever. Insert your 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 exchange of choice there. Um, I mean, in that that could you know that could be sustainable as for a business model, you know, for these companies. But it, I don't think you'll ever see any real building really any real innovation happening there that Ethereum hasn't already paved the way and trailblazed, if that makes sense. And let me ask you something. Uh, what's your opinion from the technical perspective since you're deaf and of that, that kind of fight that people between like the Ethereum developers and the Avax developers, what they are talking about that Avalanche would be a fork or a copy of get it. Do you agree? Do you know th- this conversation? Do you agree with that? 
What's your opinion if you have one? So if I if I understand if I'm understanding your question correctly, I, I'm not real sure what the art what the, the debate that you're talking about there is. I'm assuming that it's just the debate over whether or not Avalanche is a fork of Ethereum. Is that what you're asking? Something, yeah, pretty much guys are 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 copy pasting pieces of the Avalanche codes and this the Ethereum this get eats uh, thing. And they are comparing, they're saying, hey, your updates of Avalanche, they're saying it's so innovative. It's just a copy of what we already have on GitHub. Uh, well, it forget is. it. It's exactly what it is, right? There, I mean, there's <laughs> no way around it. It's an EVM chain. They are cloning the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine. That's what that, you know, that's what they've cloned. That's what their chain is built on. So, I mean, there's really no debate there. It is what it is. You know? <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, yeah. ultimately for a chain, for a blockchain to scale, like EVM uh, copy, like Avalanche or or BSC, uh, these chains, they all need developers before users, right? Absolutely. If they yeah. don't have developers, they cannot scale the chain. Like we, we're, we're seeing in Cardano, for example, they don't have as much developers because they have to learn a new uh, language. And it you that have no makes, ecosystem, right? Any any jackass can go and fork a block. I can go to any. I can teach you how to go to GitHub right now and fork Ethereum in 30 minutes, and you can have your own EVM fork that you can run yourself. But if you don't have developers there to actually build shit out for you and build your ecosystem, your Uniswaps, your Aves, your compounds, then you've got nothing, right? You you've got a ghost chain. So Cardano. what's the point? What's the point for all these forks? Like you, you, we're we're seeing Harmony One, we're seeing. Uh, I don't know, so much other uh, Oasis and a bunch of Avalanche, a bunch of EVM forks. What are their goals? What do they want? They want to be like, a, a, I don't know. I would, I'm not, I, I wouldn't lump them all into the same, you know, into the same cash grab pot because that's certainly not true. You have, there are chains out there that, you know, they're the original purpose, right, was to fork Ethereum so that you can experiment, right, so that you can build something cool that doesn't cost you, you know, a thousand dollars in gas. Um, so that, that's kind of the original point, you know, and not unlike any other test net out there, um, you know, and some of these chains like Harmony, you know, they were really experimenting early on with that, with this new proof of stake model that actually Ethereum is going to end up, you know, inheriting. So there's innovation happening on these, on these EBM forks. And it's, at the end of the day, I always just kind of look at them as builders experimenting, you know, getting ready to, they're testing something at scale to see if it works. And then if it works, then shit, time to go to mainnet. You know, they, they all, I think they're all just, yeah, I, I, I tend to think of them all as just a means to an end, right? They're, they're experimenting to eventually end up on, on mainnet or, you know, maybe eventually a layer two solution. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I wonder. Instead of them creating a new blockchain blockchain and trying to build an ecosystem, they're like build, uh, bringing developers, bringing new users, why not just experiment and then be a here in the uh, Ethereum security, be a roll up or something like that? Why do you need to compete with Ethereum? You're not only competing with Ethereum, but you're competing with all other forks and other blockchains out there. So I don't know. I seem to be really, really hard for these new uh, blockchains to scale massively like in the future. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But like I say. Who do I, who I know? Like Hero just mentioned, gave, gave an example about cars, and I it, it it seems to be it seems to be like that's that's what's gonna happen though. 
people are just gonna be like, okay, this is cheap one. Okay, let's use that one. But eventually they're gonna be a security problem, right? If there's security problem, people can will probably migrate it away from this other blockchain. So I just I, don't know, you know. I mean, like part of me totally agrees with Gelfi, but then I think about Solana, right? And you know, even though it's had, you know, relatively substantial downtime and it's um more recent popularity, you know, it's still busy. I mean, there are still a ton of NFT projects built on it. You know, they do have, of course, some DeFi protocols on it. It's not unused, right? And it's not even unloved. Can you can, have- can can state uh, can nation states go to Solana and and stop it? Can they can United States go, hey Solana, stop it. I don't want you to run anymore. Can they do that? I don't know how, I mean, I just don't know how this, I mean, we all know that it's more centralized, you know, by many factors than some of the other chains. I don't know that it's so centralizing we shut down, but that's just because I don't know. I mean, what, what does it mean? I mean, it's still, you know, distributed and decentralized to some extent, right? I mean, it's not like you'd walk into one server farm and flip a switch, I don't think. Um, so it's, it's, it's a curious question, right? I mean, like it's without question, you're not shutting down Ethereum, you're not shutting down Bitcoin. Uh, but I don't think you're shutting down Avalanche either, you know? Um, so, you know, again, I don't know, like, where is the literature on this stuff? Where, how do you measure degrees of decentralization and, and what does that really mean? Right. I mean, we've talked a lot. I've, ra- I've ranted a lot about my fear that over time, Ethereum becomes centralized. Right. Um, but how do you even, I mean, where are the metrics to be able to quantify what centralized or decentralized is and i think the measure is validators and the measure so for so the measure is validators right validator nodes always has been always will be right and so then if you are going back to things like avalanche or solana i mean they still run off of nodes and validators right Mm -hmm. um they're just less of them and so there's uh, less of them because they're more intensive to run, right? They they require much stronger uh, computers and stuff to run. Unlike, you know, things like Bitcoin that can be run on a damn Raspberry Pi or Ethereum that can be run on a laptop. But actually, um, you actually, Avalanche, you can run on Raspberry Pi. There's well, some tutorials showing you. Yeah. That's the EVM compatibility though, right? That's, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, but it sounds like you still can. So like, and you can't run, you know, you can't run Solana on Raspberry Pi, right? No. Um, no. So like... <laughs> You know, and the Solana Foundation controls what percent of the of the nodes. And that's the yeah, that, that's right. the, the great secondary question of not only how many nodes are there, but who is also running these nodes. Right. And so so those are so, I mean, I just don't know how to find the answers to those questions. I'm sure there are I know there are people that do. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And and to your question to answer your question, Solana, I think last I checked has over a thousand validators. So there's they are, you know, y- you could make the argument that they are decentralized enough. And I think are, that they I would. at one point like something like 60 plus percent is really controlled by the foundation. That could um, be true. And I, I, I <laughs> have no idea. Be true. Right? So yeah. you know, it's just like, I, I think about this stuff and go, this is really interesting versus Bitcoin, which has probably more validators than any of them, right? Right, yeah, it does. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, no one really argues that it's not the most decentralized chain. Um, you know, maybe there's something, you know, maybe at some point, and this goes back again to another conversation we had is like, you know, is it more secure to, to have a chain that like if, if Ethereum, you know, if, you know, the China chain app, you know, when we merge from Beacon, I'm making stuff up, obviously, you know, but to something that allows you to, you know, stake and validate uh, with one ETH, right? And then you have 300 million people staking one ETH versus, 
you know, a million people staking 32 ETH, right? Um, and how does that interplay with security? And I still don't have a good understanding of that and sort of where that, that metric is, that matrix is, you know? You know, the, the interesting thing about that hero is that we're just not going to know until we get there, right? That's one of those things that the Ethereum developers can never know until we get it out in the wild, until we scale it. Um, and that is one of the scary things that we do have to really consider as we move forward, as we inch closer to the merge, right? Because now it's all becoming very real. <laughs> you know, the dates are beginning, the stars are beginning to line. And, you know, it could all go tits up. We, we would be fooling ourselves to, to not at least make that a, a possibility in our minds. I don't think it will. You know, I, I think on paper it all seems like it's going to work. But until laughing. we get it out in the wild and scale this thing, we're not going to know. I was laughing the other day when I was writing that story on the merge, you know, and, and the kiln test net. And, um, you know, as a longtime potter, I think, well, that's not a really good sort of allegory for the merge file <laughs> test net, right? Everything goes and burns to ashes, you know? <laughs> it's because um, we got to harden it, Hero. That's what it is. We got to harden that's the, it. And, and that's the truth, right? I mean, so like when you use a kiln, right, you bake it at, you know, depending on what you're doing at a various temperature to make it so that it's, um, you know, more, you know, arguably uh, more secure and more stable and, um, and it loses, but it also loses some of its malleability, right? And its flexibility. So uh, once it's gone through a kiln. So I was, I was going out, ah, geez, you know, but like, you know, I mean, there's no part on the Ethereum long-term roadmap where they're talking about, you know, reducing the 32 number down, I don't think, right? Um, and this might be an interesting place to bring in sharding, right? So like, you know, if we go and look at the roadmap and we look at sharding in 2023 or 2024, or whatever the dream is, um, you know, what, what do we think that sharding will do to the network? I mean, does that become a built-in layer? I mean, like essentially a built-in layer two, are we, is it supposed to make it so that transactions are going to be cheaper or is it really just a further layer of decentralization? I think it'll, it'll have both effects, right? I think the, the goal for it is just a level of decentralization, right? But it'll have the side effect of bringing down gas fees just because the network itself won't be so congested. You know, and we've kind of seen some of that already play out with our layer twos. You know, you could definitely say, and I don't have a gas chart in front of me, but I'm sure that if we did, that you could, it would be clear that gas fees have certainly gone down since our arbitrums and our optimisms have gone live. Not, not nearly as much as we would like, but they, they have certainly gone down some. It's taken some of the pressure off of mainnet. Same with Polygon, right? You could, you could say that all of these, all these other layer ones and even side chains and such have, have helped to contribute to take some of the, the pressure off of, um, off of mainnet. That's interesting, right? Because like, as you know, those layer two and side chains deployed, um, you know, last fall, last spring, and in some cases a little bit earlier, you really had like peak usage, right? And so I think what Ethereum probably saw peak usage sometime around December-ish, right? Um, of 2021. And, you know, right as soon as you had Arbitrum and Opti kind of, you know, getting their legs under them, those both launched when like in September. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then now, of course, like, you know, demands dropped off. Um, I paid $37 in gas the other day to mint something. It was like, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was like so exciting, right? I mean, we remember what it's like to pay, you know, 220 USD equivalent just to just to do a transaction, you know? And at the time, oh. it like seemed like, okay, this sucks, but uh, like, it's not going to stop me, you know? But then you do, like, you're like literally talking about an eighth of the cost, right? 
to do that now. And it like after paying so much, it feels so good to pay so little. And that's still a ton compared to what we, I mean, what does it cost? Of course, on poly, we joke that it costs fractions of a cent, you know, um, like Opti's a little more, but not much. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, um, one, you know, one eightieth or something of the cost to mint on Ethereum on your any given day, right? And I think so- on my worst day on Polygon, I spent a dollar. One whole dollar, and I was pissed. On flower farmers. So, I mean, Gelfi and, and Diego, I know you guys have thoughts about these things. What um, what do you think? I was really excited with the lower gas fees. I just minted a bunch of dye last week <laughs> just to use it, you know, because they were so cheap. But yeah, I understand what you said, what you say, especially with, with for artists. I mean, a lot of projects of NFT projects that I like the artists and I like the art, I like the piece, but I didn't buy because it wouldn't make any sense to pay more on the fees than I would pay for the art, you know? And now that it's cheaper, it's, I don't think twice in this case. But, I, love, I love when Ethereum is cheap. I mean, you have all these farming rewards that, you know, like it's like $200 rewards that otherwise, if the gas was higher, it would cost you like $150 to, to get $200. So I took, I took that time when the gas are low now to get all my rewards and yeah, it was a fun time. Doesn't it, doesn't it really just fall into the category though? Be careful what you wish for, right? So many yeah. people spent so much of this last bull run bitching about gas fees on Ethereum. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you want gas fees to come down, that's going to have a really unfortunate side effect of your ETH price coming down as well, because that what that directly means is that people don't give a shit about Ethereum, right? When we have GUE down below 20, that means there's nobody using the network and that, that should worry us. So... Yeah, bit of a double-edged sword when it comes to the old gas fees. That's temporary. I think I, I think gas went down because of uh, NFTs. You know, NFTs are the gas went down, down because right the market's exploded. Right, everyone got <laughs> completely wrecked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially the everybody, NFT market. Everybody was afraid to do. It was a ghost town around here for a while. Hey guys, this is a this is an interesting trend. I want to transition here, you know, a little bit to something. Um, and so gas fees go down um gas fees go up gas fees go down i forgot what i was gonna say i'm sorry guys i had a good thought for a minute but i totally lost it oh i remember oh go ahead I, I can no I, I would say uh it's good I, I don't mind if people are afraid that there's not so many people using the team right now because if the guys the gas fees are are low you can use more being less so and now these fees are going to get burned doesn't matter uh, how much it goes the fees you know in, in dollars if if it's in need they are getting being burned and it's good for the ecosystem you know so even when i pay it, it's never a problem to pay for gas fees when it's cheap you can use more do more stuff when when it's expensive it's you just paying the gas fees, but part of that's going to be burnt, but burned, and it's going to be good for the ecosystem, you know. And just a, just the way you're going to see, you can complain that it's expensive, or you're going to say, "Oh, let's let's burn it," you know. I love you. Like that's so true. Um, do you have an Ethereum tattoo yet on your somewhere? Not yet. Can believe that. No, I know. But I was, uh, but, but, but I was with a shirt yesterday. I went idea, to actually, Diego. 
<laughs> I, I got an idea. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to mint 100 NFTs. We're going to randomize them. And then whoever mints the, the 100th one, and it's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be an Ethereum symbol on different parts of your body. And whoever mints the 100th one, that's where you have to get the tattoo. <laughs> so oh, that, uh, that's interesting, man. Got, got the no, plan. I don't like, I, I don't <laughs> like these games. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll let you, let but, you uh, face. But I was, I was, if I was a rapper, I, I'm sure, of, of course, I would have, you know, like that teary eye, but even the teary uh, tattoo here. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing I like about the guests is that, you know, when they're low or maybe when Ethereum is, is, is low like like bear hunter just say when gas fees are down ethereum the price of ethereum goes down uh then that's when i check fees.wtf <laughs> that's exactly when i check how much i spend on gas because otherwise when ethereum is up the price you know when you check there oh i have a span about you know three ethereums now what the heck that's i don't know totally thousand dollars <laughs> But now it's less. So. It makes you feel better, doesn't it? Um, so this is what I wanted to bring up earlier because I don't think we've ever talked about it. Is like um, minor extractable value, right? And so um, can we talk about the interplay between gas prices, blockchain activity, uh, network congestion, and MEV? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you said it the way you did because it's really not minor extracted value, right? It's maximum extracted value, meaning that it's not just miners that can extract value from the from the blockchain. It's anybody, right? It's what it really means is anybody that can find what's the right word. I'm, I'm going to call it what it is: an exploit in the chain. Um, and it needs to be done, right? It's for the health of the network. Uh, an example would be front running um, some, some flashbots front running uh, trades on Uniswap, for example, right? Um, going, getting in there, buying Ethereum before you do, and then selling it to you at the, at the price that you've put in that you're willing to pay for it, right? And filling that order. So it can be done in many, many different ways. Um, uh, 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 liquidating people on Aave, right? That's another form of MEV that people have to do. Otherwise, Aave protocol goes to shit, right? That, that's that's built into the, built into the protocol as an incentive to always ensure that the uh, that, that that Aave protocol stays in balance. If that makes sense, you've got to have the other side of the trade, right? Somebody has to come in and liquidate someone's position when they're when they're out of bounds, right, or or offsides. Um, so yeah, it, but but to your point, yeah, you know, minor extracted value miners at this point also have their version of extracting value from the chain, and it also involves front running transactions among other things that you, that you could do. There, there are many different ways to extract value from, from, a ch from any chain, not just Ethereum. And ag again, I, it is, as bad of a taste as it leaves in our mouths when we hear about some of these stories uh, with MEB, it's always for the, the health of the network, right? Because if we didn't have these things, then the, the flip side of that would be, then you have a network that's just running rampant and double spending that's happening everywhere. And in positions that that aren't getting getting smoked out, right? So we have to have it. it. It's one of those. It's like a necessary evil, I would say. This is such an interesting thought, you know. Um, so you're saying essentially, this is great, right? Like you have to exploit the network in order for the network to be healthy. Um, you have to find all the inefficiencies and destroy them. Uh, very very strongly free market of you. What do you guys think, Diego? Gelfi. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get what Peter Hunter was explaining. It's I. I can understand that maximum value extraction. It's a kind of 
crazy thing for me so far. So, Mr. Diego, the, the easiest way to think about it, right, at any given time in any blockchain, there's always going to be some exploit that can be done that, that somebody somewhere can profit from if you have the skill set and the knowledge to know how to do it. The best example are the flashlight attacks, right? There was, hell, there was a, there was a string of events there, you know, over, over the fall, right? Where it seemed like just one flashlight attack after another. Those are exploits that are happening on chain because somebody somewhere either didn't do their due diligence, right? And something was someone somewhere was offsides. And then the, the bots come in, some more savvy developer comes in, finds the exploit and seals the hole up. Right. By 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 doing that exploit, it then seals itself up. It really gets into the whole anti-fragility of these networks, too. Right. When when one of these exploits happen, when 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 an any when an MEV happens, the network then begins to repair it. Right. To keep it from happening again. So that's that's something that needs to happen in order for the network to (laughs) to fix itself and get more, you know, otherwise, otherwise people are just going to be afraid to come in. And okay, if I go in, I can lose, you know, network can, can be hacked and lost. So that comes to security. So it needs to happen in order for the network to, to improve, I guess. Well, you know, here's an example me. of Hold one on, of these things. Quick, just real quick, explain to me why it helps network health. Because it keeps it from happening again, right? These are self-repairing, This it's self-repairing technology. So... Let's see. Let, let's let's think of an example here. Um, right. So let's let's use the stock market as an example. Right. When inefficiencies happen in the stock market, when people are offsides in the stock market, what happens? The market makers have to go and also, much like we see in the blockchain, they go and liquid, liquidate positions. Right. Or they, or like we saw with the GameStop situation, they just shut everything down. Right. You, you have that that middleman there to to always make sure that the health of the market stays healthy. Does that make sense? I mean, I understand it in the fiat world. I just don't understand it in the blockchain world. Well, you have to have that same mechanism in the blockchain world as well, right? There has to be some mechanism in place that always ensures the health of the network. And that's that's, health of network though. Do you mean health of the network or health of the sort of the economic network of it? I, I mean the health of the network as a whole. Um, you mean because, uh, because they uh, go actual... hand in hand here. Uh, if the economic part of it fails, and the whole damn thing fails, right? Oh, fair, fair. But I'm just wondering what kind of when you're using that terminology, if they're just interchangeable, and um, or if, if they're not, because I just really don't know. Like I understand enough about MEV to know I I kind of get it, but don't. Okay, let me let me try to simplify it here. So I'm going to go back to the GameStop situation. If if Wall Street hadn't shut down trading with GameStop the entire stock market would have imploded, right? Because there was an infinite money glitch that, that, that the Redditors found, right? If they hadn't shut everything down, the entire stock market would have failed. Same concept in the blockchain world. So if someone out there finds an exploit that allows them to do a double spend, for example, they found an exploit, now they're just printing money out of thin air, they're they're you know they're 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 make printing themselves millions of dollars. If some other person doesn't come in, well, no, no. Because of that, some other person will then come in and fix that that exploit that 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 person found to 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 print themselves millions of dollars, right? Well, my impression was though the MEV wasn't used to stop those kinds of like double spend exploits you see sometimes. It was more like well, it's it's a very like it's an a arbitrage very, type thing, right? It, and it is right. Arbitrage is another example of it. MEV is an umbrella, right? There there are many. That, that's what I was trying to say earlier. There there are many many different kinds 
of extractable value. That's why it's better to call it maximum extractable value, not minor, because there are many, many ways to extract value from a network, right? You use and all maximum, of them are necessary. I, actually, I Googled it. So then I realized like somewhere along the line, they changed minor to maximum, which I, I missed that change um, mm-hmm. in the definition of MEV, which is interesting. Well, it's because it's more it's more apt, right? It it explains it better um, because again, it's not just miners that can extract value from the network; it's anybody. So let's talk about this then, like um, so, like flashbots, right? Like I want to, you know, I want to go front run somebody with these, and I want to grab the ten NFTs, you know, before they do, mm-hmm. uh, and so I pay flashbots, you know, some fee to go front run, right? Um, and then it's front run, and then they look for the right opportunity for that front run. My thought was, or my understanding was, if they just had the technology in place to be able to get the block confirmed uh, ahead of the person using more gas or like whatever was required, right? I don't understand. That's what a miner would do, right? A miner would front run that transaction. Is that not um, how Flashbot works too, though? Is it different? Well, there are many. There's a, there's also you know when you say flashbots, there's actually you know there, there's actually a whole package of them, and each one of them does a very different thing. So. Um, there, there are, I think in the example you used, you were actually referring to just a, a bot that goes and actually met front runs and mints NFTs before everybody else. Right. Or, or, or a human who out her touches the go button or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 that's actually a very different kind of exploit, but yeah, point taken. Right. So a, a, I'm glad you brought up arbitrage because that's actually the most important one when we're talking about the health of the network. Right. But and that's how I think about it too. Is like arbitrage mm-hmm. for me makes sense for health of the network, right? And especially yep. in terms of that sort of um of what we're trying to do on the chain. But the rest of them might have a hard time understanding how they help the network health. So it just depends on the use case. And at the end of the day, not all, not all of them are there for network health, right? Some of them are absolutely there for nefarious purposes, and they're trying to extract value for nefarious reasons. But again, the, the side effect of that is that anti-fragility and the self-healing technology, right? Where somebody, developers will come in behind that asshole that exploited the network and patch it and fix it and ensure that it can't happen again. And then that asshole like that exploited the network has to go find a new way to, you know, exploit it. Okay. So like, I know that we're really in the weeds now, but this is like so fascinating. I could do it forever because this is how I learn. Right. And so like, um, I'm sorry for, for doing this guys, but one more question. Um, like fine. Uh, but it's not like when someone goes and quote unquote repairs the network or the network gets you know rebalanced that there's is there a code they're like not recoding part of it so what are they doing to actually repair it just rebalancing the economic incentives it depends on the exploit right and it depends on what it happened um so if it's you know if we're talking about something like a massive exploit on Ethereum, right? That can't be undone. Well, then shit, now we're talking about a hard fork, right? Now we got to get a whole new blockchain spun up because something terrible's happened. But when we get that new blockchain spun up, it will inevitably have a some sort of patch of coding in there that will prevent what happened before from happening again, much like the, you know, the fork from Ethereum Classic to Ethereum we know now. But only with hard forks, right? That's the only time that new code gets introduced. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. First, yeah. I mean, technically, I think that's true. Not with software. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the truth. Um, I mean, the truth is, like, I sold all of my ETH the other day just for ETH Classic, right? Because I like Classic Coke better than New Coke. You know, um, I thought that was fine. So good luck for me. No. Wait, say that again. You no, sold I'm, I'm all just your I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking about Coke Classic and. And uh, oh, new code, you know. Um, but, uh, anyway, sorry guys. Um, I have to run in five uh, because we actually have to be 
physically in in human space uh somewhere at um in an hour so uh what should we chat about for five minutes uh that you'd like to delphi as leader of our uh distracted tribe actually we can wrap this thing up i mean you brought up good points on this podcast and there is so much more there's Maybe so much we should more spend to talk five about. minutes talking about good morning news just saying that's kind of what i was yeah. saying <laughs> yeah we can talk uh, about crazy good thought, guys news. i have, crazy I have a lot more questions for hero like there's i wrote a bunch of questions here but we're gonna save up for the next episode because you know hero has a some you, you good, wrote good questions good for me Ask me yeah, one question. Of, I'm so curious. <laughs> you know, don't forget that Monday we're going to 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 get you on our on the Bankless Brazil podcast, and that's going to be really awesome. We're going to interview you and get to know your background, get to know your life behind crypto. What's going to be really interesting is I'm going to give that interview in Portuguese. You know, um, on <laughs> so, uh, Monday, guys. I promise, one day. You know, don't I, worry. I, we're going to have subtitles, <laughs> and then people are going to understand you. But anyway, I have a guys, hard enough time speaking English. <laughs> but anyways, uh, whose turn is, is it to convince people to come to DMN? I I can do it. I've been doing this all week in Ethereum Rio. So hey guys, uh, here we have um, the most innovative project that uh, is happening in Web3 space. We got the best people you can find in this space. And we are doing something revolutionary here. So we deliver the news in a decentralized way in an NFT that you can update every day and you get your news every day directly on your wallet. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. Doesn't matter if the government can censor the, the news. You're going to get the best news we can deliver every single day. And it only costs you 11 medic for a lifetime subscription and you have access to our community. And even if you don't buy the NFT, just come here, join us on our Discord and join our community. We would love to have you here. Well, say Mr. Diego. And also, is there any any other project out there that has a donut shop in it? Pet store? I don't think so. So that's why you should join GMN to figure that out. Yeah, I love it, you know. Um, It's so true. It's so true. And it occurred to me too, like, it's actually not a lifetime subscription. It's actually longer than that. Um, and so it doesn't really matter who dies. You'll always have a subscription <laughs> as long as you have the NFT. Um, so anyway, sorry, that may, maybe was a bit morbid for a Saturday, but uh, I thought it was perfect. I thought you hit the nail on the head, buddy. <laughs> long after we're dead and gone somebody somewhere will still have a subscription, right? It is so true. Um, I would like to remind everyone that what you hear today is not financial advice, investment advice. It's not any advice of any kind. It is for people, uh, for chippies actually, chatting somewhere in the metaverse across our fine globe. So please do not take anything we say seriously and definitely don't do anything with your money based upon the words coming out of our chippies mouth. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Cheers, friends.